May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The beautiful words of Psalm 85, mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. The verse reflects the message that we get from two of the greatest prophets of all time, the prophet Isaiah and John the Baptist, who are central to our scripture message this week, the second Sunday of Advent. And from those two prophets, we get a map, an outline, a way to be preparers of the way, an invitation to be preparers of the way of the Lord. And the way that those prophets invite us to be is to be a people of hope in the midst of desolation, to be a people who tell the truth as an act of repentance, and to embrace the freedom that God has given us to be our beautiful, sometimes wild and wonderful selves. First, the prophet Isaiah. Those beautiful, magnificent, gorgeous words that you hear from um, uh, put to music in Handel's Messiah that are incorporated in literature all over the world. Comfort, O oh comfort, my people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And this is good news because the time of desolation is coming to an end. I read a, a blog recently where the author described this season of Advent as a season of almost. And especially in 2020, we know how painful it is, how hard it is to wait and to prepare the path of righteousness as we are almost to the point of having a vaccine or several, and so need to stay away from each other in this time when all we want to do is gather, and when the pandemic seems to drag on and on. We are almost to a time when we can gather again, and we are almost To Christmas. And so our hope lies even in that tension where we will have a gathering or gatherings that will not be as we had hoped, 
but will be the way they need to be to protect and get everyone that we possibly can to that time when we can gather again in safety. Chapter 40 in the prophet Isaiah is what is known as Second Isaiah. And it's dramatically different from First Isaiah in that it is such good news. The author or authors of Second Isaiah want to emphasize that any judgment of God is not to crush or destroy the people of God, but to bring them, to bring us home again to God, to bring us home again in safety. These words were written around the end of the 6th century before the Common Era, and it was written in exile, in physical exile from their home. And these beautiful words invite us into a conversation around what we understand about God. And we are asked to consider the relationship between God's judgment on human sin and God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. We are asked to consider the relationship between God's omnipotence and God's love. And I think even most especially important for our time now is that we are invited into a conversation and asked to to consider what it means to hope in God in the midst of disaster and uncertainty. And the word that the prophet Isaiah brings in chapter 40 is a good word. It is good news about God's comfort and God's promise of redemption for a people who have lived in exile for 150 years. So one year doesn't seem like that much, does it? Well, it does feel like 150, I'll be honest, these last few months. I take some of my insights and information from an article by George Strope who wrote that the, the good tidings in the opening verses of Second Isaiah are words of comfort for all of Israel and for us today. The God who rebukes and sends into exile is also the God whose mighty arm can mend what is broken and make right what has been distorted. But that's not the only image we get in Isaiah. 
in this text, we also get an image of God not with the mighty arm sending into exile or comforting, but we get the image of God who is like a shepherd who gathers and carries and gently leads her flock back home down the highway to Jerusalem. And these two images are not in opposition to each other. Each one is true. Each one gives us an aspect of God that the Swiss Reformed theologian Karl Barth liked to talk more, um, consider more as God's perfections and not God's attributes. And he wrote in Church Dogmatics that God's freedom is always loving and God's love is always uncoerced and free. God's perfections of freedom and God's love are intertwined with each other. And that strong arm of God that calls for repentance and makes judgment is part of the one who carries us safely home. Again, God's judgment of our sin is not to crush us, but to carry us home, renewed, with hope. For those who live in the midst of exile, writes Strope, for those who midst in who live in the midst of cultural collapse and communal disaster, there can be no true hope except in God. A God that is mighty and a God that is mighty in loving us. And that hope in God is a hope that works hard in the wilderness to prepare the way. As preparers of the way, we are called in that hope. We are called in that hope to keep preparing, to keep telling the truth, to keep steady, even as we struggle. So then we get to John the Baptist. And the first verses of the Gospel of Mark just say plainly that this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. So John the Baptist called to repentance and his truth-telling about what's wrong and out of whack and misguided and misled in this world are based in that hope that second Isaiah proclaims in the the verses that we had today. And then John the Baptist, after announcing the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, refers to Isaiah, quotes Isaiah. And he says, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. 
the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And so I think this gospel on the second Sunday of Advent is asking us, inviting us, to remember that we participate in preparing our way home to God. And that we are called to declare, in whatever way we can, to declare that hope, even in the midst of whatever exile or fear that we are experiencing. And I believe that the, 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 the scripture for the second Sunday in Advent are calling us to get our John the Baptist on now. And what that means is that we are to tell the truth as best we can the way we see it. Not just to speak the truth, excuse me, this is the truth. May I say something? Not like that, but like John the Baptist to proclaim the truth of the good news of Christ, the truth of compassion and mercy and faith and redemption. Out loud and proud to proclaim the truth that God sacrificed and calls us towards. Sacrificed for and called us towards. To tell the truth and in that way to repent from whatever wrong way we are going. I think we're called to get our John the Baptist on in Advent as well because we are called to practice humility. And I've been really struggling with this one this past week. I want to have our beautiful, gorgeous Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services like we always do. And yet we cannot. And yet we cannot. We're called to practice humility. And as a parishioner reminded me on a conversation in pub theology today, uh, this week, that perhaps this Christmas may be closer to the humble origins of the first Christmas than we've ever had here. We're called to practice humility. Our gorgeous liturgies, our best words, even our community is not our savior. Christ is. And Christ is with us however or wherever we are. And finally, I believe <coughs> this scripture is calling us excuse me, to be like John the Baptist in this way, to be who we are our wild, wonderful selves, that picture of him 
out down by the river with his camel hair and leather belt. He did have his own style. We are called to be who God has made us to be and in that way participate in preparing the way back home so that we are all, all included in that journey. That we are all together in that journey. That we don't have to hide or pretend or diminish ourselves because we want to fit in. Or because the society says that we are less if we're this or that or the other. John the Baptist calls us to be who God has made us to be in freedom and in love. I have an old prayer book that's filled with alternative prayers and songs and poetry that my father gave me when I was a teenager and he inscribed it to pray is to be who you are and I believe that these lessons today call us to offer our lives in prayer by being our authentic selves and learning how to walk with each other in truth and in courage and sacrifice. So, these are big tasks for a short Advent season. These are big tasks in a time where we are tired, where every time you cough, you think, oh, do I have COVID? No, I don't. I have a cold. <laughs> Times where we are worried about our jobs, about our education, about our health. And yet, the people of Israel were in exile for a hundred and 50 years and their prophets and people were able to write about hope and about God's love and about God's comfort. And so when I say to you that we are called to these things, I don't mean all of it all the time and that you're a failure if you don't. But when you're looking for guidance, when you want to know how you can participate, how to keep a blessed Advent, remember to hope in the midst of desolation, to tell the truth as a form of repentance, to practice humility in knowing who the Savior is, but boldness and being who God made you to be. Amen.